Good morning. As uh, Pastor Billy said, uh, my name is Ben Hine. I'm a uh, pastor at Shady Grove Presbyterian Church, which is another church in the local region of uh, PCA Presbyterian Churches here in our region. And I bring you greetings from our church and our members and our elders there. It's just a joy to be with you. It's a pleasure and an honor to be here preaching for uh, Jimmy's installation service this morning. I'm honored, I'm humbled, I'm excited. Uh, I'm joyfully expectant for Jimmy's ministry here among Christ Church of Arlington. Jimmy and I have had an interesting relationship over the years. I think that's putting it lightly. It is a relationship which can only be explained by the gospel of Jesus Christ. A relationship that is flavored with mutual love, forgiveness, exhortation, rebuke, support, and encouragement. It is a relationship which which the Bible simply calls friendship. Jimmy and I are friends. But not in the modern 21st century sense of friendship, which is often defined more by quantity than by quality. No, ours is a friendship that is defined by two souls being knit together by their creator. Just as Christ chooses his disciples, so too does he choose his disciples for one another. God in his kindness has chosen Jimmy and I for one another in friendship. And so I knew that when Jimmy asked me to have this honor of preaching this sermon at his installation service, this is exactly what I wanted to preach on. In particular, I want to address what it looks like for Christians in general, but Jimmy in particular, to be formed in a deep and biblical way by what the Bible has to say about friendship. And so I'm going to read several short passages uh, this morning before we jump in. Uh, together, I will read them and I'll be uh, saying where the scripture is coming from which e- with each passage, but they'll also be here on the screen behind me as we go. So please give your careful attention now as this is the reading of God's word. Proverbs 18.1, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Proverbs 18.24, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Proverbs 27.9, oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Psalm 55.12-14 and verse 20, for it is not an enemy who taunts me, then I could bear it. It is not an adversary who deals insolently with me. Then I could hide from him. But it is you, a man, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. We used to take sweet counsel together within God's house. We walked in the throng. My companion stretched out his hand against his friends, and he violated his covenant. 1 Samuel 18, verses 1 through 3. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. 
And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. And then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. John 15, verses 12 through 17. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Matthew chapter 11, verses 18 and 19. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. The grass withers and the flower fades. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we ask that you would grant us the humility to Receive your word this morning and to sit under it, not thinking that we have the reason or the will to sit over it to judge it for ourselves. But instead, Lord, would you grant us humble hearts to receive your word. May you bring conviction and encouragement to those who hear and receive it this morning. May your son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, be exalted during this time. We thank you and we pray this in his name. Amen. There are three things I want us to quickly observe in these passages that we read this morning. The first is the importance of friendship. The second is Jesus' friendship. And third is a minister's friendship. So the importance of friendship. The Bible, especially the book of Proverbs, has much to say about friendship. For the sake of time, I only read you just a few verses from the book of Proverbs, but when you go home, or maybe sometime this week, do yourself a favor and do a study on friendship in the book of Proverbs, and I promise that you will reap great rewards. Proverbs 18.24 is probably one of the better known of the Proverbs, and it reads, there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. This echoes Proverbs 17.17 which says, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. What are these verses getting at? Well, here's what this is not saying. These verses are not saying that all sibling relationships are bad, or that all friendships are better than sibling relationships. What Proverbs is teaching to us is practical wisdom for real-life relationships. And here is what that wisdom says. People related to you by blood are going to be there for you because, in most cases, they have to be. There's family loyalty and family bond. 
There's the relationship that was forged over years of growing up together. There's the duty that parents have for children. There's um, the obligation that family members have for one another. But that does not necessarily mean that your family will be there for you because they like you. He might not be your brother's first choice of who to hang out with on the weekend. There's an extreme example of this in the play or the movie Fences, if you've seen it. Uh, The movie came out a few years ago with Denzel Washington. The play, I think, has had several iterations. Uh, James Earl Jones famously played the father. And you can see videos of of, uh, the movie or the play online on YouTube. But one of the more famous scenes in that play is uh, the, the son and the father do not have a good relationship with each other. And so the son finally decides to go out and confront the father outside the home. And so he rushes outside the home and he says to his father, how come you ain't never liked me? And the father looks at his son and says, I've fed you, I've clothed you, I've gave you a roof over your head, but what law says that I have to like you? You see, a brother, a parent, a sister, they might be there for you in adversity, but a friend is there for you, not because they have to be, but because they want to be. It's because they choose to be with you. A friend has chosen you. A brother may choose to be a friend, but not all brothers are friends. Do you see? Now in this verse, verse 18-24, this word for sticks, it comes from the same Hebrew word that we in other places translate hold fast or cleave. It comes from the same word used in Genesis for a man shall leave father and mother and cleave or hold fast to his wife. Same root word. And while we're on the subject of C words, normally reserved for marriage, did you catch the word used in 1 Samuel and Psalm 55 used to describe friendship? Jonathan made a covenant with David. David speaks of friendships being broken as being so painful and so deep that it is a violation of covenant. You see... In both cases, whether we're talking cleave or covenant, we are talking about a relationship that is a strong commitment, a bond formed out of love for the other party. It's not just duty, and it's not just delight. It's both. Now, I'm not at all trying to say that the love of friendship and marriage and family is at all the same. They are distinct. Friendship like family, is a deep bond of sacrifice and support, but unlike family, it is chosen and not obligated. Friendship, like marriage, has an intimacy to it. But unlike marriage, it does not arise from a one-flesh union, but from two souls being knit together by God in a unique and special way. As the Puritan Richard Sibbs said, in friendship, there is one soul in two bodies. In friendship, there is one soul in two bodies. 
If one thing is clear in our culture, it is that we are starved for friendship. A 2018 Cigna study indicates that nearly half of Americans report sometimes or always feeling alone. Do you want to wager whether this has gotten better or worse since then? A recent CDC study indicates that in the month of June this year, anxiety and depression are skyrocketing during COVID due to loneliness and hopelessness. In fact, 25% of respondents between ages of 18 and 24 said that they have seriously considered taking their life in the last month. And yet, in our culture, people generally seem to be afraid of cultivating real and meaningful friendships. And unfortunately, I think our churches are often the same way. Now, the Bible certainly has much to say about family and about parenting and about marriage, and our churches do well to teach on these things. But we ought not to neglect what the Bible has to say about friendship and the importance of friendship, which we see throughout the scriptures. And so my encouragement to this congregation, those of you who are here, those of you who are watching at home, is to give itself to the teaching and the practice of biblical friendship. And if I can make even a request of you this morning, May I specifically ask you to befriend my friends, Jimmy and Hejong and Bethany, to care for them, support them, love them, and welcome them into the life of this church. It would bring me great joy in the future to hear news from Jimmy and Billy of how the leaders and members of this congregation are cultivating an environment of deep biblical friendships here at Christ Church of Arlington. So I hope you can see, even briefly, how the Bible is greatly concerned with friendship. But nowhere do we see the importance of friendship more than in Jesus' friendship. Recall the words that we read in John 15. Jesus lays down his life for his friends. You are his friend if you follow him. He has chosen you not just to be a servant, but a friend. Think about that. The way that Jesus chooses to relate to us is by calling us his friends and giving his life for ours. How often do you meditate on that? That I am a friend of the Most High. That he has forgiven me of my sins. He has laid down his life for me. And he calls me friend. You see, the more Jesus' friendship captures our hearts, the more we will value friendships as we should. Not too long ago, a friend and I were studying the books of First and Second Samuel. And as we worked our way through the book of 1 Samuel, one of the recurring themes that we observed uh, through the, the book was David's friendship with Jonathan, 
which we read some of a moment ago in, in uh, 1 Samuel 18. And throughout 1 Samuel, you see how Jonathan sacrificed for David, how he gave up his position for David. He protected him, loved him, and supported him. As many of you know, Jonathan's story does not end well. He dies with his father and his brothers at the end of 1 Samuel. And 2 Samuel begins with David receiving the news of Jonathan's death. And so 2 Samuel records the fall of David. Uh, you know, in in uh, 2 Samuel 11, you get uh, to uh, the incident with Bathsheba where he abuses Bathsheba and murders Uriah. And it's all downhill from there, right? But even prior to chapter 11, we begin to observe some changes in David's character. He becomes increasingly passive. He's not mentioned in some of the battle narratives. And he does not take action in the conflict between Joab and Abner. And so as my friend and I are reading David's story in 2 Samuel, my friend asked this question and it blew me away and it has stuck with me ever since. He asked, I wonder how David's story would have been different if Jonathan were still alive. I wonder how David's story would have been different if Jonathan were still alive. That one question has changed how I read 1 and 2 Samuel. But it has also changed how I view biblical friendship in general and my friendship with Jesus specifically. How is my life's story different because I know that Jesus is alive and that he is my friend? How is my life different knowing that I have a friend who sticks closer than a brother, who now lives to make intercession for me, who defends me, supports me, speaks the truth to me, and loves me? In his new book, Gentle and Lowly, Author Dane Ortland beautifully captures the essence of what it means to be a friend of Jesus. And this is what he says. And I quote. He says, Here is the promise of the gospel and the message of the whole Bible. In Jesus Christ, we are given a friend who will always enjoy rather than refuse our presence. This is a companion whose embrace of us does not strengthen or weaken depending on how clean or unclean, how attractive or revolting, how faithful or fickle we presently are. The friendliness of his heart for us subjectively is as fixed and stable as is the de declaration of his justification of us objectively. End quote. And so let me ask you, beloved, do you know Jesus as friend? Do you understand that he not only loves you, but he actually likes to be around you? That he has chosen you for friendship. That he is more than your savior, but he is your friend and your companion on life's journey. And if you are here today and you do not know Jesus as friend, then I simply want to say to you that I think now is the time for you to be known by God and to become his friend. 
If you have any questions about what that looks like, there are many people here today who would love to talk to you about that. Jimmy, do you know Jesus as friend? Because you know, as well as I do, that our earthly human friends, as great as many of them may be, they are imperfect because we are imperfect. You know, as well as I do, that there will be friends who will reach out and violate their covenant. You know, as well as I do, that there are dark nights of the soul which no human can possibly penetrate and bear with us as much as they might want to. But Jesus can. His soul has been knit to ours in our union with him. Jesus is the friend who sticks closer than any other. And much of the strength of our ministry, the strength of your ministry, flows out of the friendship that we have with Jesus Christ. His wounds are faithful and his love is secure. We need his friendship. You need his friendship. If we are going to be faithful ministers who are friends of sinners. The friendship of any, of any Christian, but especially of a godly minister, ought to be something very special. A minister who knows intimately the friendship of Jesus will seek to imitate in his own friendship with others the very friendship that he has with Jesus Christ. Such friendship will be attractive to many, but it will also repel some on account of their own self-righteousness. I think one of my favorite passages in all the Gospels might be the two verses that we read from Matthew 11. Here we have Jesus telling the crowds, on the one hand, John was rejected, and the excuse was because of his ascetic lifestyle. On the other hand, a son of man is rejected because he's too gluttonous. In either case, the problem was not the lifestyle of the messenger, but the hardness of heart of the recipients. Both John and Jesus were rejected because they preached the message of the kingdom, the message of repentance and salvation being offered not only to Jews, but to Gentiles, to outcasts, and to sinners. Of course, Jesus was neither a glutton or a drunkard, but he was accused of such things because of his association with gluttons and drunkards because of his association with tax collectors and with sinners. How dare he? But what was intended to be a devastating accusation turns out to be one of the greatest compliments of Jesus' ministry and one of the greatest sources of encouragement for you and for I. Jesus, friend of sinners. If you know your Gospels, then you know that these two groups of people, tax collectors and sinners, are the very people who were irresistibly drawn to Jesus. In Luke 15.1, the series of parables starts by saying, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. What does this mean? Well, it means that Jesus lived a life that welcomed sinners into the presence of God. 
It means he actually enjoyed spending time with them. And they with him. They were at ease around him. They felt safe. Like they could trust him. That they could confide in him. That as strong as his words may have been about holiness and righteousness, they nevertheless knew that he loved them as one of his own. I think that this is a picture of what the friendship of one of God's chosen ministers ought to look like. And so to the members of Christ Church of Arlington, I know of no better men than Billy and Jimmy to extend this kind of friendship to you all. I'm very glad that they are your ministers. And so I say, Jimmy, as you walk closely with your friend and Savior, Jesus Christ, may it be said of you, here comes a man who loves people so well, a man who is willing to knit his soul to the souls of others, a man who is even a friend of sinners. That's the kind of ministry that I am in hopeful expectation for you, brother. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, our friend, may you, from this brief study of your word, increase our knowledge and understanding of what it means to be your friend. And may you increase us in our love and devotion to you and our love and devotion to one another as we go forward and extend ourselves to others in deep, meaningful, biblical friendships. Pray for this congregation, Lord, that you would bless them in the weeks and months and years ahead as Jimmy joins among them with his family to faithfully minister here. Thank you. Pray this in your name and for your sake. Amen.